The deception is big. The deception is great. But God calls us in Revelation 14 to worship God faithfully. Welcome to Ben's Bible Podcast. I'm Ben Burkhart, your host, and on this podcast, we share refreshing and faith-building biblical truths. I hope you'll plan to join us on a regular basis. God bless you, and let's jump in to this week's episode. Our message this morning is entitled, The Creator Link. We have been going on a journey through various texts in the New Testament, looking at Jesus and his teachings on the Sabbath day. And today we're going to be exploring some things from the book of Revelation, which connect us back to Genesis. So we're going to be looking at Genesis a little bit as well. And this is a continuation of our special series that we have been doing. So the creator link from Revelation to Genesis, what is that creator link? We're going to find out, but first, we're going to pray. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you once again for this day. We pray at this moment as we will be opening up our Bibles to study your holy word. We pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts, Lord, that the distractions of the world will be put away, that we'll be able to focus especially on you and receive the blessing that you want to communicate to us today. For this, Lord, we thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Creator Link. What is the Creator Link? We're going to be going to the book of Revelation to explore a little bit about God's special call in the last days. What is the Creator call from Revelation? Well, you can open up your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9 to first of all see what, what we need to be aware of regarding uh, these things. Let's go ahead and take a look at Revelation 12, 9. And it's important that we understand the context of what's going on here, Revelation 12, 9. The Creator call, we have read in Revelation 12, verses uh, 6 and, not Revelation 12, we read in Revelation 14, verses 6 and 7, about God calling the world to worship Him, to worship the Creator. But notice that in the book of Revelation, there is a, a counter call that's going on, okay? There's a counter message in the book of Revelation to the Creator call. So we have to realize that there's a conflict going on here as we begin this journey. Revelation 12 and verse 9, I'm going to read to you a little bit about the counter call, and then we'll look at the Creator's call. Okay, so Revelation 12, verse 9, and this is what the Bible says. And the great dragon was, ca was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. The Bible says that this fallen angel deceives who? The whole world, right? How much of the world does he deceive? The whole world, okay? Worldwide deception. So guess what? If it's a big popular trend out there in the world, it's probably not coming from the Lord. What do you think? It's probably not coming from the Creator. So God 
tells us, he warns us that the enemy is deceiving the whole world. In fact, in Matthew 24, verse 24, we're not going to go there right now, but I'll, I'll, I'll quote it to you. But in Matthew 24, verse 24, the Bible says, If it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Does the devil have powerful deceptions in the last days? Most definitely. Does the world catch on to his deceptions? Yes. The Bible says that the whole world is under the deception of Satan. Okay? So guess what? If they're promoting it around the world and they're promoting it in uh, you know, magazines and books and public schools and everything else, you have to ask yourself, is this coming from the Lord? Is this correct? Or is this a worldwide deception, a global deception? Okay, we have to ask ourselves that. If it is being trumped up today in the systems of the world, ask yourself because Revelation is clear that the whole world will be under his deception. Now, there's another verse in Revelation that I want us to look at. Revelation 18, verse 23. Revelation 18, 23 says this about symbolic Babylon. That system of Babylon that's described in Revelation 17 and 18, here it is in verse 23. The Bible says, And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. All the nations were deceived by the sorceries of Babylon. So, it's very clear in Revelation that the entire world in the last days is under great, great deception from the enemy of our souls. That is the counter call to the Creator's call and the Creator link. Now, Revelation 14 gives God's call to worship the Creator and Redeemer God. We've just read it a little while ago before we started the message. So, Revelation 14 gives the call for all people of the world to worship the Creator God. Revelation 13 tells us about the counter call. If you were to read Revelation 13, you would see a beast that rises up from the sea and another one that rises up from the earth. There's two beasts in Revelation chapter 13. And the Bible says that they seek to institute the mark of the beast and to force people into worshiping the image to the beast and actually to worship the beast itself. So there is a system of false worship in the last days that goes global. The people around the world are following this system of false worship. The deception is big. The deception is great. But God calls us in Revelation 14 to worship God faithfully. Revelation 14 and verse 12 reads this way. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Okay, Revelation 14, 12. We need to keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. All right, so how can we be faithful through the deceptions, through the crisis? It's by following Jesus and keeping His commandments. Amen? By following Jesus and keeping His commandments. This is God's special call for His people in the last days. Now, Revelation chapter 4 and 5 tell us a little bit 
about who God is and why we worship God and not the beast. Why do we worship God? Revelation chapter 4, you can follow me there in your Bible. Revelation chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 11. And this is what the Bible says regarding God. Verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Did you catch that? This is all of heaven praising God in Revelation 4 in God's throne room up in heaven. And it says that He is worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. Why? Why? Because He has created how many things? All things. Because He has created all things. In other words, God owns this world. God owns all of us and everything in it. Everything in this world. God owns it because God created it all. He created us. And the Bible says that God is worthy to be worshipped because He created all of us. So when it comes down to true and false worship in the last days, the whole world being under a deception, they're not worshipping the Creator, they're worshipping the beast and ultimately the dragon, which is Satan. But the faithful saints of God are worshiping the Creator because they've answered the call to worship the Creator in the last days. Now, I don't want to be part of the deception. I want to be part of the, the true movement, worshiping the Creator God. God is worthy to be worshiped because He is our Creator. Now, imagine if you start to erase that and say, Oh, no, I don't think God's really the Creator. Um, somehow we got here by evolution. You start to say that. Are we going to be worshiping God as we need to be worshiping God? Or are we going to start worshiping the dragon and the beast and the false prophet? If we don't worship the Creator God, we're not going to be connected and we're going to be worshiping the beast automatically. We're going to start following the beast if we start following something else. So this is pretty serious, isn't it? Revelation 5, just the next chapter over, tells us something in verse 11. Revelation 5, verse 11, it says, And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts, actually a good translation here would be living creatures, the zoon in Greek, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy! is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts or living creatures said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that lives forever and ever. Praise God. <laughs> the Bible says that Jesus is worthy of our worship and praise. Why? Because he has redeemed us with his own blood. Because Jesus died on Calvary for our sins. He is worthy to be worshipped. And the Bible says that every creature worshipped and praised God. Okay? A creature is someone who is created. Isn't that true? Isn't that what a, that's what a creature is? 
So, Revelation 4 says God is worthy of our worship because He's our Creator, and all praise Him for that. And Revelation 5 is we worship God because He's our Redeemer. Jesus died to save us. He's purchased us. He bought us back. So God owns us twice. First, because He made us. Secondly, because He bought us back. He purchased us from sin and from, from death. Jesus paid the price on Calvary. So we praise the Lord for that. So God is worthy of our worship. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus is our creator. The Bible is very clear that Jesus... Now, we have God the Father, and He's active in creation. We have the Spirit of God, who is also active in creation. And we have the Word of God, Jesus, who is active in creation. John chapter 1, verse 3 says about Jesus, the Word, it says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus was very, very active in the creative work. So when we say worship the Creator, we're talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Worship the Creator. And when we say worship our Redeemer, we're talking about the Lord Jesus, and God the Father who sent Him, and the Holy Spirit who's working actively in that process. Is this making sense? So we have this call from God. Remember, our lesson today is called the Creator Link. The Creator Link. So, how do we worship the Creator? Notice Revelation 14 one more time. Revelation 14, and then we're going to dive into Genesis and find some really powerful truths I think my mic battery is going over here. Hear it cutting out. I'll try to use the pulpit mic. Is this on, Bree? Or uh, is Rocky back there? Let's make sure. Let's, uh, okay. All right. I think this, is this mic working? The battery seems to be going out on this little device up here. I've heard it cut out a couple times. So we can either use that or just use the pulpit mic, which is apparently off, I think. Okay. Um, so here we are, Revelation 14, verse 6. Revelation 14, verse 6. The Bible says, I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, that's the good news of Jesus, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. There we have it. The call to worship the Creator. The Bible says that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, goes out to the ends of the earth, to all peoples, to all languages, to all groups. And as it goes out, the call is made to fear God, that is to reverence Him, to respect Him, to fear God and give Him glory, give all the praise and all the glory to God. And it says to worship Him to worship Him who's... Ah. Yeah, Rocky, if you... I can turn off this mic and switch over to the pulpit mic because I think the battery is cutting out on this. If that's all right. Okay, sounding better? All right. So here we are. The call in Revelation 14 is to worship the Creator God, Him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that in them is. Right? So if we're not worshiping the Creator God, what are we worshiping? We're, we're worshiping the beast, right? We're worshiping the dragon. We're worshiping the false prophet. 
We're following a corrupted system that is not of the Lord. If we're not worshiping the Creator God. If we think that God is anything other than the Creator, we've been deceived. We're under the deception of the devil. And we need to make sure that we follow what the Lord has said regarding worshiping the true Creator and Redeemer and Savior God. This is who God is. So with... with, Thank you, Mary. With that in mind, we're going to be going back to, to look at Genesis and the story there. And Jesus remind, let's be reminded that Jesus has said to us that we need to worship God in spirit and in truth. Okay, some people come and worship God with a lot of spirit. They're, uh, you know, happy to be there at church. They're excited to be there. Um, maybe they have exciting services, exciting music. Who knows what people have, all sorts of things. They might be excited and have a lot of spirit. But guess what the Bible says? Worship God in spirit and in truth. Because God wants such to worship Him. This is coming to you from from John chapter 4, the words of Jesus, that God wants people to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We have to know exactly who God is and what the Bible teaches and follow God in the way that God says to follow Him and not some other way. So, in spirit and in truth combined. Yes, let the heart be in it, but let the mind be in it too. Follow the truth that's in the Bible. So that's just a little thought as we're heading over to Genesis. And we are warned in the Bible that many, even Christians, will depart from the worship of the Creator God. And this is a sad story uh, that has happened in the world today. Do you know there are a lot of Christians today, people in churches, who don't believe that God created us necessarily? Are you aware of that? People in churches that think that, well, you know, maybe God had something to do with it, but, um, you know, millions of years and everything else. There's just a big process of death and evolution. There are people sitting in churches today who believe that God used evolution to create them. Is that what the Bible teaches? Is that what the Bible says? We're going to find out exactly what the Bible says in the book of Genesis. Very powerful truth. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1 that God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1 And the Spirit of God, verse 2, moved upon the face of the waters, and the earth was without form and void. There was no form, and it was empty. So God began to form it and shape it, and then He began to fill it, because it was empty. So He formed it first, and then He filled it. That's what you do too. You, you build your house, and then you fill it with your family, right? <laughs> you got to have the environment, and then you put something in it. So you form it, and then you fill it. And that's exactly what God did on the creation week. Now, when you look at those days of creation found in Genesis chapter 1, you see that on days 1, 2, and 3, God was forming the environments. On day 1, the Bible says that God formed the light and darkness, the day and night. He said these simple words, let there be light. And there was light on day one of the creation story. Everything was dark first, and then God said, let there be light. So there was light. Praise God. He made light. And the Bible says that God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Did you catch that? 
the evening and the morning were the first day. And I believe that's verse, maybe have it right there. Yeah, verse 5 of Genesis 1. It says, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So, some people want to say that these days are long ages of time. We're going to get to that. But you notice here what God is doing. That God made the first day, evening and morning, light and darkness. God was not only creating these environments, but He was creating the very units of time that we would use throughout the rest of human history. God was shaping and forming our day. The day consists of one rotation of the earth on its axis, going through light and darkness, evening and morning. One rotation is one day. God was actually forming those very things within this creation account. So the day hasn't really changed, has it? It's still the same day. God made this on day one. He started with the first unit of a day. He created that. On day two, God made the air or the atmosphere called heaven or sky. And below it was the waters or the sea. And there was some waters up above it too. Either clouds or a water canopy. Okay, this earth had some water up there above the atmosphere. And so there was water which was down below, which was seas, the Bible refers to. And that was on day number two, where God made the sky and he made the seas below. On day number three, the Bible says that God created land. And all the green stuff started to come out. Trees and fruit and delicious stuff that we can enjoy eating, that we can grow. So God made all of that the land on day number three. Now, when you get to day four, five, and six, you realize that God starts filling up all those environments that he had just created. On day four, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven. This is in verse 14. Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. So here we find that God was creating the units of time. How do we calculate a month? Well, that's one lunar orbit. Takes about 30 days for the moon to circle around the earth. About 30 days, that's a month. The Bible says this is how you're going to calculate your month. I'm giving you the sun, the moon, and the stars to help you calculate these things. And in fact, he says, uh, not only for the months, but for years. Well, how do you calculate a year? Well, as, this, as the earth is going, orbiting around the sun, takes about 365 days. We call that a year. A year. And so, by the solar system, we're able to calculate time. So, we have days, and we have months, and we have years, and we've got these signs and seasons to help us to understand it. So a lot of people, they miss that. They'll say, oh, those days are just like eons of time. Those days are just millions of years. No, it's not. Those days and those months and those years, all of that stuff is exactly what we have in our world today because that's what God made for us. A year is a year and a day is a day and a month is a month. And how about the week? Why do we celebrate a seven-day week across the whole world? Why do we celebrate a seven-day week? Where does that even come from? You know, it comes from right here in the book of Genesis, right here in the Bible, the seven-day week. You can't find another source for the seven-day week that the whole world is still using today. 
comes right there from creation. And so God gave us the weekly cycle, which has continued seven days and then seven days and so forth. And so we find that on day four, God made the sun, moon, and stars to fill the day and night, the light and darkness. He was filling it. So think about this. The light before, there was light, right, when God made a day. But at this time, God was centralizing the light. Some people wonder, how did you get light on day one without the sun? <laughs> well, do you know God gives light? Light comes from the Lord. And so there was light. God said, let there be light, and there was and on day four, God finally you know, packaged it into the sun, moon, and stars so that there was a very distinctive light that was being given for each of those. God was filling. So day one and four, they go together. The same is true with day two and five. They go together. So you have on day five, God fills the sea with a bunch of fish and he fills the sky with a bunch of birds. So the environments from day two, he now fills them on day five. And the same, the same is true for day three and six. They go together. On day three, God made the land. And on day six, God made the animals to fill the land. And he said, you can eat all this green stuff. And he made the people too. On day six, and of course, the land is our natural environment as people. So God made us on day six so we can go on the land. He said, here's all the green stuff. Lots of things to eat. So God gave us these things there in the creation week. We see that God lovingly and intimately makes people in His own image and He gives us dominion. He says, you guys are going to be in charge on the planet. You guys are going to rule over the earth and everything on it. So God gave us a responsibility. He gave us something to do. Now, the Bible tells us that He did one last thing here on the creation week. Now He's finished creating all those items. Well, let's read in our Bibles, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through three. Let's take a look. Genesis, one, uh, Genesis 2 verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended His work, which He had made. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work, which He had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it He had rested from all His work, which God created and made. So the Bible tells us that on the seventh day, God did not go making anything else except carving out a special period of time, a time in which God rested, a sanctuary in time, if you will. God was making this sanctuary in time, and in fact, it was the first full day of life for Adam and Eve. They got created on day six, partway through the day, one of God's working days. But the very next day was the Sabbath, and they experienced the full day together with God. The Sabbath was time with God. And that's powerful. Now, some people say, well, did it say Sabbath there? No, it says God rested. And the Hebrew word is Shabbat. God Shabbated. God rested on the Sabbath day. That's where we get the, the name Sabbath from. It means rest. So God rested there on that particular day. And we find that... Not only did God rest on this day, but He blessed it above the others, and He set it apart. He sanctified it as holy. So He gave it a special blessing and pronounced it for a holy use. Ask yourselves, is there any other day in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation that God puts a special blessing on above other days and that God sets apart as holy? 
Is there any other day that God set apart as holy that we have a verse for? We have a commandment or something for? No. There's no other day except for the seventh day of the week, which is called the Sabbath. There's no other day that God put that blessing on and also that God set apart for a holy day. Notice God is the one scheduling this day of rest. God is the one resting on it. Okay? And so the thing is, it's all about following God. God rests, God blesses, God makes holy, and it's a day of relationship. Any relationship we have needs quality time. Is that true or not? Okay? The wives, they'll be getting on us. Quality time, please. <laughs> we need some time together. They want that quality time because relationships are built from quality time together. So we need quality time. And the Sabbath is about relationship with God and connecting with each other. Quality time together. That is very, very important. So what is it about the Sabbath? The Bible says that God rested on it and blessed it and sanctified it because that he had finished this work of creation in six days and now he's resting on the Sabbath day. In other words, guess what? The Sabbath is a special link to our Creator. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, the Sabbath is a special link back to our Creator. So when we keep the Sabbath, we are remembering our Creator. Now, I just want to say a couple things about the creation and some people trying to say those are long ages of time. We've already seen God gave us the units of time there during the creation week, right? God gave us the units of time there, and those days, they all work the same today like they did back then. But something else to notice, on day four, God made the sun, moon, and the stars. When did he make the plants? On day three. If you look back at the creation week, God made all the plants on day three. What do plants need to grow? They need earth. They need water. So they need something else. What is it? Light. Thank you. They need sunlight, don't they? Plants need sunshine. It's called photosynthesis. So imagine if, uh, if that was a long age. Let's say, let's say that was a thousand or ten thousand years or even a million years from between day three and day four. Is that possible for plants to survive in that kind of a situation without the sunshine? No. Right? So, um, the Bible is crystal clear that God created for us the week consisting of seven days. On the first day, God created the day and He created the year and the month with a solar system on day four. So, the Bible is crystal clear that God was making these units of time just as it reads. This is not symbolic. These are actual days, actual time here, an actual week, and that's what we celebrate today. These are not long ages. Now, for people who want to throw evolution in there, it actually dishonors God because they say that God created by process of death. And God didn't create by process of death, did He? Because the Bible says that death came after sin. Genesis 3. Death was the wages of sin. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. If we say that death was already here, we say God's not very powerful. We say that God actually loves death that God actually creates through the process of death, that God actually allows suffering even if there's no sin. What kind of a God is that? Is that the God of the Bible? Is that the God who loves us? Is that the Creator God who died to save us? It's not. It's a different God. So if people miss the fact that God created us and they miss the teachings of Genesis and they try to blend evolution in there, they're actually worshiping another God instead of the Creator God. Does that make sense? 
They're actually worshiping a false deity. That's pretty serious, isn't it? A false deity. If you believe in evolution, you're worshiping a false deity. You're not worshiping the God of the Scriptures. You have some other God, but it's not the God of the Bible. So we want to make sure that we are following what the Bible says and worshiping the true Creator as Revelation calls us to do. Worship the true Creator God. Now there's one verse that we need to see before we close up. And that is Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11. Let's head on over to Exodus 20. Right after Genesis, we find Exodus. Go to chapter 20. And we're looking there at verse 8 through 11. Right in the heart of the Ten Commandments here in Exodus 20. Right in the heart of the Ten Commandments, there is this commandment about the Sabbath day. It says in verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So when we read the Ten Commandments, where does the Sabbath come from and originate? The Bible says it originates from Creation Week, the Sabbath that we celebrate every week. The Ten Commandments call us to worship the Creator God. So guess what? If we don't worship the Creator, we're not keeping the Ten Commandments. And it says here on the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. In other words, don't forget God's Sabbath day. You notice the Bible says in this verse, it's the Sabbath of the Lord. It belongs to Him. It's not my Sabbath or your Sabbath or anybody's Sabbath. They can just choose any Sabbath. No, there is one Sabbath that belongs to God. The Sabbath that belongs to God is the seventh day of the week, right? The seventh day Sabbath. It's very clearly mentioned here. God says, remember it and don't forget it. Remember to spend time with God every Sabbath day. And he says, guess what? Here's how you're going to schedule your calendar. Make plans to work six days a week. On the seventh day, don't work. Spend the time with God. Spend the time with the Lord. Don't schedule that because God says, look, I've already scheduled a holy time that I've blessed for rest and for fellowship together. Sacred time. And so God says, don't work. And in fact, he says, even don't make your kids work. You throw up your feet on the couch and say, all right, kids, get to work. It's Sabbath. I'm resting. <laughs> God says, no, that's not going to work. You all need to rest. You and your kids and let your animals rest. You don't send them out to work. Let them rest. And even your manservant and maidservant, don't go hiring people to work for you on the Sabbath. Let people rest. God says we need to be consistent and show people how to rest. You know, don't go out and hire folks to work on the Sabbath. They need to rest too. And so even the stranger in your gates should be resting according to the commandment. And as a believer in God, a believer in the Sabbath truth here, and a believer in the Creator, we want to let people rest on the Sabbath because we're showing them, hey, this is what we believe, this is what God teaches. We don't work on the Sabbath, we rest on it. So we, as a believer, we encourage other people, like, hey, you guys can rest too. We're not going to hire you to work because it's a Sabbath day, right? 
And so that's, you know, that's what the Bible says right there in the fourth commandment, to, to rest and let everybody else rest too. Manservant, maidservant, stranger in your gates, etc. And that last verse is a very important verse in the whole Creator link. All right, the Creator link is right here. Verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and He hallowed it. He made it holy. So, the link is right there. Now, consider this. Revelation 14, verses 6 and 7, calls us to worship the Creator who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in it. Isn't that a quote from Revelation 14? Worship the Creator who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. Where do they get that line in Revelation? It actually comes right here from the fourth commandment, the Sabbath commandment regarding the Creator. So when you think about the Creator link from Revelation to Genesis to the commandments of God right here in Exodus 20, it's all about worshiping God and remembering every single Sabbath day. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy because this is the day on which we worship our Creator. Now, if we want to follow true Creator worship in the last days, we need to prize God's holy Sabbath day. We need to appreciate the blessing of the Sabbath. God is calling us to remember Him every Sabbath day, to put God first and not man or other things, other agenda items, but to put God first on the Sabbath day. Very, very important that God is calling us to true worship, to worship in spirit and in truth, to not follow the dragon or the beast or the false prophet, but to follow the truth. And so the world today is under great deception, great deception about God. They don't believe God created us. Even in churches, a lot of people have forgotten that. But the Bible Sabbath calls us back to worshiping the true Creator God. The Ten Commandments call us back to worshiping Him. Revelation says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that uh, keep the commandments of God and worship Jesus. We want to be those people who keep the commandments of God. We remember our Creator and Redeemer God, that He is the one who saves us. How many of you would like to stand with me today and say, Lord, I want to worship you and, and serve you as my Creator and Redeemer? How many would like to say that today by standing up together? Will you stand with me this morning? and say, Lord, we want to worship you as our Creator and Redeemer God. We want to remember the special Creator link of the Sabbath day, uh, to worship the Creator on the Sabbath day and all throughout the week that God has made. Um, let's stand together and pray, and uh, we'll do our closing hymn. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for creating us. You are worthy of all worship and praise. Lord, I just pray that your spirit will be in our hearts and you will guide us in the way of life and truth, that we may keep your commandments, Lord, and keep the Sabbath holy. And remember that we are connecting with you to truly worship our Creator. For this we thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. It's been great having you as a listener. May God richly bless your day. I look forward to having you join me for the next podcast. Blessings and take care.